We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app miss something from the todd feinberg show don't stress listen to the podcast at wtic.com or on the free odyssey app So Rob Sampson was doing what he does, state senator from Wolcott, and that is, and, and by the way, he mentioned to go to his, um, go to his Facebook page, and check out because he posts a lot of good material there. But this story uh, in in the paper is just kind of stunning. Jobless benefits for strikers in Connecticut is the idea. And this is being heard by a committee that covers labor issues, and Rob Sampson is on it. But the communists control it. So the idea, and and by the way, labor is a communist concept and a communist organization. And the idea of having organized labor, Senator Julie Kushner of Danbury is a um, UAW, retired UAW executive. And listen to this paragraph. In her third term as co-chair of labor, Kushner is, um, ceaselessly pushes the panel to the edge of progressive politics and policy. Sampson, a small government conservative, is her foil. So she's pushing this idea that after two weeks of being on strike, that is the voluntary attempt to leverage their employers for higher wages, they want you to pay the salaries of union members who are on strike. What do you think about that? 860-522-9842. We're going to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center, checking in with Mark Christopher to see what's happening on busy Friday afternoon highways, Mark. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Yeah, WTIC is who we are, and what we're doing is what we always do, keeping you keeping you advised of what's going on and clarifying the issues because it's so complex, and they lie to us about what they're actually doing, and they cover up, and it takes a lot of work to keep track of government this big and plundering. So uh, last couple of weeks we had on a young student from Pennsylvania, senior in economics, I believe, at Grove City College. His name was Benjamin Seavers, I think. I'm doing this from memory. And we've got another one here today because we want to have more young people on who believe in the American system of government, maybe, but definitely they believe beyond that to no government. 
or a very small government. And here's one who believes in anarcho-capitalism, it's called, which is a, a really horrible name for something that sounds beautiful, and that is a society that has governance that comes from the people, but not from a government. Sam Brantuver is his name. And uh, is that right? Is uh, that, am I saying it right? Yes, that's, that is my name. Yes, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you, Sam. I'm glad you're here. So um, I just love the idea that you're thinking about these things. What got you into the idea of, uh, of no government? Well, actually, um, I was originally uh, a, like a staunch Republican, and I worked a lot of campaigns throughout high school and early in my college career. But um, I, by chance, happened to go to a college that taught what's called Austrian economics. And um, I happened to major in economics almost by chance. And um, that led to uh, a real discovery. My first microeconomics course, I remember learning about tariffs. And my professor made this assertion that, like, oh, well, you know, tariffs uh, actually harm you more than they hurt, more than they help you. And he went through it a little bit. And I remember thinking that can't be true. And then he debated me on it for an hour and then I was, I was sold. So it took an hour for you to be transformed. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Well, that that's, good. that's, that's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty dramatic to uh, be able to experience that kind of sharing of ideas. And one of the scary things about our society today is this movement towards crushing the idea of oppositional thought being expressed as if that's a threat to uh, human freedom as opposed to the opposite. Yeah. So tell yeah. us about your uh, perspective on government and how do you, how would you envision when I tell people I'm toying with the idea of, of anarcho-capitalism, which I, it, it doesn't really matter to me that much, which, what system we're arguing for, because the main thing is, if we could get back to what the founders envisioned, we'd have a flawed system open to being destroyed again, but at least we'd be making everybody conscious of the, of the idea that the founders were committed to having a small government. At least that's what they expressed in the founding documents. And, and get everybody moving in that direction and understanding that we need to have backlash against what's going on right now. Does that make any sense to you, or would you dispute me? Yeah. On um you know, I, I you kind of hinted at this earlier, and I, I the first thing I always like to say is just that, you know, anarcho-capitalism is kind of a ba like it is a, a frightening name for what we're talking about, and you know what we're not, what we're advocating for is not an absence of governance. You know that that is far from it. In fact, and and most of our literature is about how awesome you know how awesome we can govern ourselves without there being someone with a gun forcing us to. And I think, um, you know, bringing up the, father, the founding fathers, I, I would agree generally that um, at the very least that we had a much smaller state back then. And I think that in some ways that that's just because of technological uh, capacity, the technological capacity of like government actors at the time, among, uh, for, among other reasons. But, but um, when you look at the, the systems of, you know, the balance of power and dividing the government up into pieces and having those pieces wrestling each other to move things very slowly with great difficulty f through the process of becoming the law of the land, that they clearly had a sense that creating a government was a dangerous thing to do, and they had to be careful. Yeah. Um, 
I'm not so quick on saying like which kind of government is better. Um, this, there's uh, I don't know if you know of him, but there's this economist named uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe that has tried to argue um, as to like which form of government is is more advantageous for a, like a free market advocate, and he tries to argue that monarchy is mm-hmm. um, because he are as he argues. I don't agree with him, but he argues that um, a monarch has residual claimancy over his population. And what that means is uh, basically a monarch would be incented against hurting the assets of the people that he governs because then he's hurting his potential to extort money from them. Well, so that's uh, even though the idea of a monarch seems ridiculous, you can see where like with the British system where they have a monarchy that doesn't necessarily have governmental power, but has huge cultural influence that to have a second organ of government that isn't just worried about a two-year or four-year cycle of power and and that is committed to the long-term best interest of the polity like that makes sense doesn't it i think there's a trade-off and i'm not one to make a universal claim about what whether it's going to be whether it's going to pay off for a certain any any situation so like i think um there is certainly a trade-off to like when you have a, a second organ or a third organ, as you say, you're right that uh, I think it takes the power out of one person and it extends the amount of time it takes to pass a law. And um, generally we would say like, there's less like quote tyranny unquote. And I, I think that that is not something that is universally uh, great. I think it's a trade-off because what you're trading off is, well, now we have an entire bureaucracy of government. And well, now we also have no residual claimant. Right. So I'm not, I wouldn't argue for any of that stuff. And I'm more leaning towards you. But I just think that there are different ways to do what we're doing. And we can see the flaws. Like right now in the state of Connecticut, the Democrats have gotten total control. And they're using it to to dismantle all the suggestions of our system of government and to turn it into the Soviet Union. Like, that's what they're doing. They're putting that into legislation. It's ridiculous. And they're doing that because, I think, they live inside of this short-term cycle. They figure they've got to get this done while the getting is good and that that they're trying to build permanent structural change so that even if Republicans do uh, bounce back a little bit and have some influence, it'll take them a long time to unruin things and so if there were some other force around that was keeping tabs on them it would be nice but i think more important for us sam to discuss we're talking to sam brantover he's a college student in pennsylvania studying economics and he believes in anarcho-capitalism that is a system of government that's non-governmental but run by individual or or um citizen governance how People are always baffled by this idea. And when I talk about it, they think I'm crazy. And I understand because there's some emotional commitment that we have, Sam, I think, to the way societies are run that you have to have. Everyone says you have to have a government. Well, how would you do this? How would you do that? And I say, well, I don't know necessarily how we would do it, but I know that the way we're doing it is failing in every country around the world. We would look at it and say, this is gross what they're doing. And most of them, because they're deadly and dangerous, 
But even ours, where people think we have this great democratic process in place, we're being destroyed by people who are against democratic processes and are, are crushing any notions of liberty on purpose. And so the, what do you say to people to bring them uh, towards you a little bit on this idea? Well, I, I think that, um, number one, a lot of people are tacitly statist in some sense, just because it's nice to think that there is some entity that can quickly solve a problem or solve any problem. So, you know, you, you'd like to think that, like, if there's a, a meteor that's going to hit Earth, that there's a, an, a, a group that has the power right now and can just solve something. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what this is really rooted in is a fundamental misunderstanding of market processes. So, you know, for for practically every single like aspect of, of, of life, there's economic literature on how markets spontaneously provide like such a good. So um, I, I've personally written before on Bedouin. Uh, so in uh, in Egypt and the Middle East, mm -hmm. there are uh, Bedouins that are like kind of nomadic peoples and they've lived without a government for like 800 years. And I've been writing extensively on how they resolve disputes because that's the one thing that everyone like well, likes to point out like well what do we do with the criminals sure. who's yeah. going to who's going to punish the criminals and well how do you have laws if you don't have a specific authority and how do you resolve disputes if there isn't a specific authority that controls such things so what what how do they do it how big first of all are we talking about what what size communities are you looking at uh, well generally there are millions of bedouins um, but but their communities Generally range anywhere from one hundred to twenty thousand. Okay, and they self-govern. How? How do they do that? Well, uh, they it's a, it's kind of complicated, which is why a lot of like it's hard to really explain. But basically, uh, I would say the most important thing to know is that generally there is an incentive for people to uh, engage in, in interactions with each other, right? So. I think what is lost on a lot of people is that exchange is fundamentally the the best thing you can do for any market economy. A voluntary exchange benefits both parties, and promoting that is absolutely paramount. And and people in 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 uh, places of poverty and in the past have known this. And what what, that, what happens is when you have a conflict between individuals and parties, you're not exchanging with them anymore. So, so that in of itself. So, so there's a negative. Uh, there's a negative incentive there to get you back. You want to, uh, you want to reinforce positive behavior so you can be making money again and get rid exactly. of the negative yeah. behaviors. So, but but still, it would take some kind of cultural right. kickstart, yeah. I would think, to be able to get people into that mindset. And and after hundreds of years, it would be deeply ingrained. And I would guess there's behaviors that people have and assumptions that are made that allow the society to function without government? I'm sure. Um, there are, I, I, I guess, cultural aspects of it, but I, I wouldn't be so quick to say that it would take a long time to develop a cultural... I, I, I view cultures um, as more of a heuristic for these types of societies, but... Um, well, I guess the bright side is that we can look at our own society and see all kinds of ways we cooperate with one another. 
and right. the the way we get things done. You know, we we do business with each other. We walk streets where, for the most part, except for very small areas of our society, we feel very comfortable just having free reign to move about and do business and do what we want. So we make all kinds of decisions for ourselves on a regular basis without the need for some authority telling us what to do. What, what I think is interesting is, um, you know, a lot of people envision kind of like cooperation as something that only exists underneath some kind of like invisible bubble of, yeah. right, exactly. But what I think people don't understand, which is very interesting to always point out, is that there, there are a plethora of examples of you yourself engaging in cooperative behaviors with absolutely no oversight whatsoever. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about in economics is uh, credible commitments. That's something where, you know, most, if not all companies engage in it in some way, and it's, it's, it's completely extra legal. And it's a way of, like, for instance, I, I wrote an article on this once, um, why we just McDonald's have a minute. Have... We just have a minute left, so give us the short version of the story. Okay, yeah, but uh, when companies give uh, very costly, or when, when companies have very costly infrastructure, it's mm. a way to signal to their customers that they're not going to renege on promises. Essentially, like yes. if I renege on a promise, I'm foregoing all of this th money that I put into my infrastructure. So somebody who just puts up a building expecting to rent the space, they're they're saying that they believe deeply in having an ordered society, and and they're going to play a part in keeping it that way. In some way, yeah. Uh, a lot of like really expensive signage is also an example of that. But yeah. All right, Sam, we've got to wrap it up. Sam Brantuver, do you have a website or anything you want to promote? Uh, I do have a blog. It's called uh, www.futilityfunction.com. Futility, Futility and function. Function.com. That's a good name. We can relate yeah, it's to a play that. play on utility functions. Yeah. Will you come back and Thank visit you. again? Uh, if it's you'll fun. have me. I, yeah. I had a you lot of fun. A, you did a great job. It'd be fun to have you back. Thank you, Sam. 860-522-9842. Rant line number. We're open the next half hour. Then the last hour is order up. So give a call now. We can talk. 860-522-9842. BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. It's Mark Christopher. Mark. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's Todd Feinberg. It's Todd Feinberg. Monday through Friday, 3 till 6 on WTIC News Talk 1080. Yes, indeed. 860 
And the um, the rant line number, 751-4698. Phone them in. Get your rants in. Get your live calls in. One question I have for you, just top of mind, because it's been so beautiful the last couple of days. And I noticed that everybody I talk to has a different attitude. Like I, I'm surprised that just casual conversation, when I say, isn't this weather great? Or when somebody else brings it up, it's not just me biasing it, but everybody seems to share my sense of glee over the weather. And nobody says, oh, but look at the price we have to pay for global warming. And I'm saying, well, I don't think we've got that big of a price to pay. If we can just stop the left from trying to use it as an excuse to plunder like everything else. They use everything as an excuse to plunder or make government bigger. And this they see as they see it as a glorious opportunity to do this with global warming. But I view global warming now with affection. After yesterday and today in particular, what if people say, Oh, it's gonna rain. I it's raining, so it's raining. It's warm rain. Shower me with warm water and I'll be happy. Just don't make it ice. Anyways, curious if you um, are experiencing any metamorphosis like this, because I, you know, I've I've had my concerns that um, there could be some truth to what they're saying about climate change, and that they're going to get away with pushing these nonsensical responses to their theory. And that that's caused me to only look at it as a negative but now when we get to experience weather like this i feel like when you if you actually look rationally at what the likely problems might be if weather keeps getting warmer those are things we can handle and then we can run to the beach and that sounds like you know that sounds like a fair deal to me Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. i'd love to hear your answers to that and you can call it in live or put something down on the rant line, 860-751-4698. We've got the next 20 minutes to talk, and then in the 5 o'clock hour, we have a whole other chance to talk for the hour. But that will be order up. That is our food and restaurant hour. And I'm working on, you know, I, I make, uh, I, I add items, ideas for what to talk about to a list all week, and then, the closer it gets, the more hard I study on what we're actually going to talk about. So um, we will decide, and I'll let you know in about uh, 25 minutes what we're going to talk about during the hour. But do take part in order because it's fun. Everybody has a good time. Let's go to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Roads are busy, according to Mark Christopher, as we expect on a Friday. Give us an update, Mark. Now back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. And by the way, don't our, uh, don't our real estate values go up as the weather gets warmer? Has anyone calculated that into the, into the mix? Nobody does both sides of the ledger on this thing. The pros and the cons of climate change. If you look at global warming now, it's looking better all the time because now we get to feel it. Mike's in Glastonbury. Hi, Mike. Hi, Todd. How are you? What's up? Well, listen, I want to talk to you about global warming, about the ruse called global warming mm. take take a guess okay now this is according this is not according to mike okay this is according to 
NASA, National Weather Service, colleges around the country, guess what percent of our atmosphere is carbon dioxide? Take a uh, guess. What? Uh, 47%. Okay. Not even close. I'm way too low. Not even close. Ninety-nine percent. All right. Here's here's the here's the reality <laughs> of this. I'm going to give you the I'll give you the top four gases in our atmosphere. Okay. Nitrogen is seventy-eight percent of our atmosphere. Okay. Nitrogen, seventy-eight percent. They measure it in parts per million. What that means is they take the gases, they collect the like gases together, and they yeah, don't count spend them, right? too don't spend too much time on this part of it. We need to get to the small one. So let's okay, do that. The, the, okay. Oxygen is twenty one percent. Argon is point nine percent. Those are the top three, mm-hmm. which is ninety nine point nine percent of the gases. Carbon dioxide is point zero four percent of the gases in our atmosphere. Correct. So doesn't that speak to the idea that even small, tiny, infinitesimal increases in it could wreak havoc? Okay, what that what that says to me is that it's so small that it's insignificant. But let me give you another scientific fact. This is according to the Jet Propulsion NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California. Okay. Ninety six percent of the carbon dioxide in our atmosphere, ninety six percent is created by nature. Humans only contribute four percent. Doesn't that speak to again that us messing with our portion of it in just small ways could wreak havoc? If we changed our portion to zero, mm. it would have worldwide. If we changed it to zero worldwide, it would have zero effect on the atmosphere. Zero. So you're saying it's impossible that this whole theory is is uh, just ridiculous? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I'm an old guy, right? I was a I went to college and high school back in the '60s. Okay. Well, they had college, college back then, and then they did have. We we used to ride our dinosaurs. They had parking spots for them, <laughs> you know. But back then, the environmentalists had a hundred years of environmental data proving that we were on the brink of the next ice age. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember, remember the ice age was big. Do you re, do you remember the uh, 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 ozone? Do you remember the the scare over ozone? Sure. That's why they changed the um, stuff they were putting in. Like you couldn't use, yeah, yeah. A right guard was the big deodorant. Everyone sprayed it. Right, because it was ruining. Now, what was the problem with the ozone layer? The problem is there was a hole in the ozone layer. Mm -hmm. And as humans destroyed ozone, the hole was getting bigger, causing heat to escape, causing the temperature to drop. Mm Mm-hmm. So all well, we need to yeah. do to fight uh, what they're now saying is our existential existential threat. You're saying we need to bring back the canned right guard, and then we can. Absolutely, that's going to fix it. <laughs> well, that's a relief. You know what I mean? This list looks like a simple fix. Just take what they did before and undo it. Yeah. All right, Mike. Anything else we need to know before you go? There's others waiting for a shot at the air. Yeah, you know, the the average human exhales 2.3 pounds of carbon dioxide every day. So the idea of a zero-carbon footprint is kind of ridiculous. Imagine so, if you were still parking dinosaurs and what one dinosaur what would fart would do to the atmosphere. <laughs> that, that would be killing us. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much. Good to talk with you. Mark's calling from East Hartford. Hi, Mark. Oh, hey, Todd. How you doing? What's up? 
Oh, nothing. I was just wondering if you actually had a uh, a food for the order up today. I, I, I'm honing in on a question, but I'm not prepared to reveal it quite yet, no. Oh, okay. Do you have well, a suggestion? Thinking, well, yeah, I do, because I was just thinking since the temperature just dropped 30 degrees, uh, uh, what everybody's like, uh, everybody wants to get home and curl up in, uh, on the couch, watch TV, what their favorite soup would be. And oh, how that's they not a bad it. idea. I'm going to make yeah. a note of this, and if we don't do it today, we will do it soon. All right. I appreciate that, Todd. I, watch, I listen to you every day. Thank you for that. But you, I want you to listen more often. Uh, than every other every day? <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Thank you, sir, very much. That's wonderful of you. Uh, let's see. Mike in Plainville. Hello, Mike. 34 years in our beautiful house. I've never been out. In the month of February, raking the yard. It's a first. You want to know it's what I have? Year. Last year we had this uh, mild infestation of those little moths, those food moths. I don't know if they come yeah. in the grain or whatever. And I thought I'd gotten rid of them all last year, but they must have gotten some eggs laid. And suddenly they're, they're all over the place like it's, like it's May or something. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, it validates life. I mean, I was out there sweating. I went in, I watched the Super Bowl, I said, you know what, bring bring on some more, well, I don't want to say the term, I won't say the term, because I think a lot of these people are just politicizing everything. You know, the, enjoy the weather, get out and enjoy like you used to. We actually, I grew up in the 60s and 70s when we actually had to go to class, had to carry our own books to class, and mm -hmm. go to every class, and pay attention. How about that? Well, they've gotten rid of that, thankfully. And they've gotten rid of any expectation that people should learn anything in school, haven't they? 860-522-WTIC. Springfield, Steve, yes. Hi, hi Todd. How you doing? Um, as far as this whole, you know, I typed in um, on Google, I typed in, uh, uh, what was it? Um, I, I, I typed in climate change and public transportation. And and you know as 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 a revenge on white flight from like you know remember white flight when white people left a lot of working class people left the cities because they they were turning into dangerous hell holes. Um, well, actually, their solution to climate change is public transportation. Did you realize that um, the ozone is going to clean up if you ride buses fifty percent of the time, which is an absurd philosophy, and 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 the height of arrogance. We have we don't even have 50 years of satellite data, okay? Um, and the, the 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 thing is, we have we're starting to realize that we have 50 and 70 year weather patterns on this planet. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and and uh, I, one of the things that they don't bring up is that the the sun is in a, in the middle of a of a huge solar flare thing that's going on, and yeah. also the the magnetic north pole is right now in the middle of Canada. Because we might be bracing for a north and south pole flip, which uh, is a weakening of the Earth's magnetic field. And um, back then, the last time it flipped, people were living in caves because there was too much radiation. Is this so, something we you know, have to be nervous really about? Arrogant. Is the whole world going to be flipping out? Well, yeah, they, they actually, um, they, it was in New Zealand. They actually found, found some fossil fragments from before, like, the last time the Earth flipped. 
Um, and they learned some interesting stuff from that. Um, this sounds kind of scary, Steve. Thank you for the call. Good to hear from you. Bob in Waterbury. Hi. Bob, where'd you go? Been trying to get you on the air, and you keep doing these. When you call in, don't get nervous if we don't pick up right away. Because, um, I mean, you know, some people like 20 seconds and they hang up, but sometimes we're just busy, you know? So if you're calling, just let it ring. And you're not um, speeding it up in some way by, you know, by breaking up the the calls into into separate pieces. It's just better to um, to be there as much as you can. Try it again, Bob. Hi. Yeah, I'm right here, Todd. All right, go ahead. Okay. Uh, yes. Um. Uh, I think we talked before about the global warming. Of the the Earth has been heating and cooling for like eight, like forever. Um, yeah, but that doesn't mean it couldn't do it in a bad way. Right. But, I mean, they've drilled these little two-inch boreholes thousands of feet deep in Iceland, Greenland, on Antarctic, and about every 80 to 100,000 years, there's leaves there. They're like rings on a tree. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it, this, like, global warming is nothing new. The Earth's been around for, like, 2.5 billion years. It does it, like, every 80,000 years. I'm pretty sure, like, 80,000 years ago, there weren't cars, but there were still trees on Antarctic, Iceland, and Greenland. And um, the the moose and the the pandas and the, the whales, they weren't all pissed off. That's but as you know, Bob, that's not the part of it that interests me. What interests me if, is if we were to stipulate, for the sake of argument, that that global warming is happening, what is a rational response to it? And I just see... I see stuff that doesn't indicate that they're serious about wanting to actually cure the problem that they claim scares them to death. There's nothing you should do. This is the way the Earth is. Everybody thinks we are so right, but they're pushing a they're pushing a mythology on us that that this is an existential threat going on right now. So I say to them, okay, show me a response that makes sense to this existential threat because you're saying we need sources of energy that don't produce greenhouse gases and they say yep that's right and i say okay so why aren't we installing nuclear energy the guy you had on yesterday was great exactly the nuclear power plants they make them this this day and age they make them a lot smaller a lot it's not going to be chernobyl you know and uh, i agree 100 percent. let's do it but you don't hear them saying that but doesn't that prove that they're hoaxing us yeah, exactly. Because they up. say it's an existential threat. Order up. <laughs> Order up is coming your way. That's right, Bob. Thanks, Thank Todd. you so much. We'll see you next week. All righty. Appreciate the call. Bob is uh, billboarding for us. 860-522-9842. Rant line number 751 um, yeah, so the climate thing is just confounding that that they get a they get away with it. They get away with having that contradiction, and nobody calls them on it because the media's in the bag, and everybody's in the bag today. We live in the in the bag era. The carbon free solution to generating power is nuclear. It's never been safer. It still accounts for, I believe, 30% of our annual energy requirements, but it should be upwards of 90, shouldn't it? And yet they won't 
allow it, and why won't they allow it, if that's the only answer we have? Hi, I'm calling about Icky Nikki Haley. Uh, just like Hillary and Kamala, she rode to Washington on a mattress, and now she thinks she can be president. I vote to pop her trial balloon immediately. That's such a such a mean rant. Why do you have such contempt for her? And and why do you judge other people about with who they sleep with? Because I I don't know anything about her sex life, but it doesn't interest me because the the people who are attracted to big positions of power and are willing to devote their lives to them are a different species, and and they they lust for to be the center of attention. They lust for positions of power, and they lust for external reinforcement of who they are and what they're about, and acceptance. They want huge acceptance. So that's a given with anybody in that position. That's how you get the Dick Blumenthal's, you know, the, the, the decrepit psyches that are willing to misrepresent their own life experience. They have to misrepresent it so they can convince others of how worthy they are you know, remember Hillary Clinton doing the fake voice the at the funeral? I mean, these people are pandering, people willing to do anything to be in the limelight. So I, I don't want to pick on one for that. Hi, Todd. Well, Eversource is saying that they donate money to here, there, and also the Boston Children's Hospital. Well, did you know that Boston Children's Hospital is doing sex, sex change surgeries on those babies? All righty. Later. Yikes, that's some scary news there, Gladys. You're dropping a big bomb on us there. Yeah, so we're going to uh, we're gonna get to our top of the hour news, and then Order Up comes up next, and we'll, uh, we'll, get a, we'll reveal the question for you. We're going to have a reveal party after news. That's a big thing now, a reveal party. So why don't we have them? Let's have regular reveal parties here on WTIC. We're going to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Mark Christopher is going to have a traffic reveal party, which is kind of exciting. Let's see if he's in pink or blue. Hi, Mark. <laughs> I'm in pink today, but... Uh... We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 